Steamed Hams is the name of a new exhibition at the Douse Art Museum in Lower Hutt. It takes its curious name from a 1990 skit from The Simpsons, in which Superintendent Shawmers visits, I think I'm saying that right, visits Principal Skinner for lunch, only for Skinner to burn the roast and resort to a ridiculous series of lies to cover it up. Here's a taste of Steamed Hams. Superintendent, I hope you're ready for mouth-watering hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. No, no, I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed hams? Yes, it's a regional dialect. Uh-huh. Uh, what region? Uh, upstate New York. Really? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, not in Utica, no. It's an Albany expression. I see. Well, steamed hams became something of an in-joke between Simpsons fans, but then really went viral in the late 2010s, when tens of thousands of home creators started remixing, redubbing and remaking the scene, making it even more ridiculous. There's steamed hams as directed by Quentin Tarantino, steamed hams except everything goes really well, steamed hams but it's AI-generated nightmare, and Struthmate, the Australian dub. A small selection of steamed hams are currently on show at the Douse as part of the exhibition, which features artists who employ humour and popular digital storytelling devices to explore how our worldview is being filtered through everything from TikTok to AI art. Curator Chelsea Nichols spoke to Mark Amory earlier this week. Chelsea, kia ora. Kia ora, Mark. Thanks for having me. Steamed hams does not sound to my taste. Well, I would hope it's to everybody's taste. I mean, it is an Albany expression. <laughs> oh, yes, an Albany expression. If people watch it, they will get the joke. So, I mean, my first question is, I mean, what are the Simpsons doing in a contemporary art gallery, for goodness sakes? Well, I think that what I'm really interested in with the steamed hams phenomenon is it's become itself this hugely creative response that's happened on the internet. So people who are having a very sophisticated knowledge of of pop culture references, of, you know, video genres, and using that and employing that in really outstandingly creative ways. So I guess the question would be, why wouldn't we include creators like that in a contemporary art show? Yeah, but I mean, the rest of them in the show, they're kind of bona fide professional fine artists. They've probably done the study. They've been in the galleries. But these guys are, you know, you've got the bedroom creators, is it, in there? But I think that that's what's an interesting kind of tension in the show. And I think Cecilia Condit is a really good example, someone who, you know, was a, a fine art professor. She, you know, made... Uh, feminist video art through the 1970s and 80s was really well known in these sort of small filmic avant-garde circles but it's only been within the last sort of 10 years where her possibly in Michigan has blown up because teenagers on TikTok found it and have kind of re-loved and that's where she's been getting the art world kudos that she never really did get. Yeah so the fan base is important to that work. Can you tell us about that that piece and what happened to it? Oh I love this work. So possibly in Michigan is uh a cannibal horror feminist musical from 1983. <laughs> now, wrap your head around that, Mark. I love that. Um, and it was, it's an amazing video work. It's about these two women in a suburban mall and they're being kind of chased through the mall by this creepy masked man. But then they turn the tables on this stalker and they end up eating him together. But the whole thing has, is put, set to this musical, which is incredibly, incredibly catchy. And teenagers on TikTok have found this, and they call it the most, the cursed, most cursed TikTok video of all times. And they 
film themselves lip syncing to this very funny lyrical, oh, no, 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 no. She put her poodle in a microwave oven. <laughs> and this has gotten in. And it's from this that, you know, she's got works in the Guggenheim now and she's wow. being on the cover of Freeze. And this wow. is only in her 80s where she's getting the contemporary art acclaim that she's deserved for 40 years. Because we've been talking on the show about, you know, how musicians who haven't even been near TikTok suddenly get popular through their kids' generation. But it's happening to art then as well. It's absolutely happening to art. And so I think if we're going to leave room for those kind of contemporary artists to be rediscovered by teenagers on TikTok, I think we have to leave ourselves open to make the bedroom creators sort of on an equal playing field. Well, let's go back to those bedroom creators. I want to go back to Steam Hands just briefly. Yes. I know we don't want to get too obsessive about the one thing, but it's oh, the title sure of the do. show. Why... Why that particular... I mean, there's been lots of... The internet's been rife with all sorts of fan-made corruption of television and films. Why that one in particular for you? Why did that one stand out? I'm not sure exactly why that one stood out, except that what I was really interested in in looking at the different contemporary artists that I wanted to bring together for this show is that it was these little nuggets of pop culture and that the way that they got embedded in the internet subculture and became something that was bigger and arguably more meaningful than the original. And that was the connecting thread between all of these different artists who are using internet humor in that way. And so with Steamed Hams being, I think, the pinnacle of that in the last few years <laughs> and being this thing that has then kind of exploded in creativity with these bedroom creators making things in response, I thought it was kind of a perfect way of pulling all these threads together. So there's been tens of thousands of remakes, but you've only got a, a dozen or so, I think. I've only got a dozen. What Have you got a favourite? Ooh, I really, really liked the Australian dub of Steamed Hams. And oh, this is glad you... this is coming from someone with a Canadian accent, obviously. And so there's just something so delightful about this idea of this part of the world, the Antipodean response to the Simpsons. That's 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 really interesting. I guess what I'm interested in really is part of me always kinda goes, not that these artists in this show are unusual, but why aren't more artists using these tools? I mean, surely this is the visual culture of our time, right? It's digital, it's what we're using. I'm I'm kinda surprised really there aren't more New Zealand artists uh who are choosing to use these creative tools of our age to make their art. I think so too. I think that a lot of the way that they're expressing their work though, it's it's being shown in venues, for lack of a better word, that aren't the traditional art world framework. So you have things that are happening in artist-run spaces, but equally you're having Instagram accounts that are sort of blowing up with hundreds of thousands. And I guess the argument for someone like another artist in the show, Beth Frey, who has you know 150,000 followers on her Instagram, why wouldn't she be motivated to that be the primary place that she shows her work when you might only have a thousand people come see it in an art gallery. Well, most artists use Instagram, but it's kind of like there's a division, right? There's the kind of, I'll put this image up, but I'm not really selling not anything. Really. I'm not really selling it. That's not really exhibiting it. It has to be in a gallery to be really showing it, right? But then there's the artists who embrace that and say, actually, let's think critically about these sort of modes of visual communication. And I think that that's actually what all these artists are really doing is looking at those modes, both for better and for worse. Well, there's only a a few uh, New Zealand artists in the show, but I'd, I'd like to start with New Zealand artist Claire Duncan. Um, it's a project I was familiar with and had watched. Uh, it's her 10-year project completed between, I think, 2011 and 2021. Happy birthday, Lindsay Lohan. Can you 
Yeah. Leave us in on this. Oh, Claire Harris's happy birthday, Lindsay Lohan. I've been kind of hearing about this project for years. It's a bit of an underground Wellington legend. And the work started out in 2011. It was on the cusp of Lindsay Lohan's 25th birthday. And of course, at that time, she was on house arrest. She was dealing with a lot of sort of addiction issues and mental health issues. But she was absolutely sort of ripe for the picking on the internet. Hollywood actor, just for those who've been in a hole somewhere and don't watch this kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Lindsay Lohan. Mean Girls. Yes. Mean Girls. Everyone knows Mean Girls, right? I think so. I would hope so. Or Herbie. Or oh, Herbie, yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite? Anyway, let's not get into your favourite <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. You carry on with the story. Carry Clear on Duncan. with Lindsay Lohan. So she was being kind of absolutely sort of ripped apart on things like Perez Hilton, these really sort of gross celebrity gossip blogs who really kind of stripped this very young woman of any kind of humanity and she was really seen as an easy target. And so Claire's project was initially kind of in reaction to this and it's about Lilo, it's about Lindsay Lohan, but it's also just about sort of the treatment of women online generally and young women in particular and what we praise them for and then what we devour them for. So uh, Happy Birthday Lindsay Lohan took the form of uh, performance art meets teenage sleepover where she stayed up in My Galaxy, um, the gallery that used to live on Dixon Street, and she stayed up for 25 hours straight watching every single Lindsay Lohan movie ever made, which is actually a pretty big filmography for such a young actress as well. It's it's yeah. pretty amazing. And and she continues to do this. And then I guess use the, the technology changed over time to probably Facebook streaming, wasn't it, at some point? Yeah, well, what I find really interesting, so this is, the, what we're showing at the Douse is sort of an archive of that 10-year project. And each year that she did it, so she did it every single year on Lindsay Lohan's birthday. And each year, those kind of, as the internet evolved, the mode of doing this work evolved. So it was sort of Facebook Live or live tweeting things. So we were watching Claire watching Lindsay. You're watching Claire watching watching Lindsay and right. we've actually sort of set up a bed that's very much like the bed that she she used to stay in overnight in these galleries <laughs> and in these spaces which is fabulous and you're not watching the Lindsay Lohan movies yourself you are watching Claire watching Lindsay with sort of bits of of writing as people kind of write back and forth as she talks about her experience I really love this work because it's so slippery this kind of boundary between it being an art or performance artwork and just being fandom I mean she really clearly is a Lindsay Lohan fan it's for real and you know it could have been in a sense or it's almost like what anyone might do now particularly in in an age which is developing with with TikTok and Instagram in terms of putting yourself out there it was almost very prescient wasn't it for the times I think it really was and I think that um, the way that she sort of wrapped this project together as her final act is the cameo video oh my goodness for anybody who doesn't know, a cameo is when you pay a fee for a celebrity to might like leave you a voicemail or give you a message or say, hi, you know, happy birthday. So how many stars do that? I mean, well, hundreds, really? thousands. And so, it kind of there's a sort of a sliding scale of, of money. It's God. a really good money maker because it takes, you know, it's six seconds of their time and they get paid, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And they get a lot of viral marketing. A lot of viral marketing. But I think what's really clever about the way that Claire has done it is that she sort of used an artist fee to pay Lindsay Lohan to then wish her a happy birthday. So in this video, <laughs> Lindsay Lohan is saying happy birthday to, to me. And she's very confused about it and kind of shouts out to her New Zealand fans. But I yeah. love that. I mean, it's funny. I was just thinking about this um, on the way to work today that, you know, it used to be that most of our obsession with these film or music stars were posters on our wall, you know, and the, the archetypal kissing the kissing the poster <laughs> and, and all of that. But now it's like, it, it's become this whole other embedded digital world of, of being involved with them and following their stories in a much more intimate way. 
there's a, an expectation of accessibility of these people as well. Yeah. I think that that's where the culture has really changed in the last 10 years. Can I ask you about Beth Frey's work? Um, Absolutely. So AI, total game changer. Her work is called Sentient Muppet Factory. And it, gosh, it, um, you could talk about the techniques, but it really is not so different from Hierogymous Bosch to me, kind of like culture eating <laughs> itself kind of aesthetic. That's exactly what she's interested in. And in fact, we've sort of described her work as like a Hieronymus Bosch landscape meets a ah. Cindy Sherman film still meets a haunted 1970s children's show. <laughs> which I think is kind of captures the vibe. I mean, they're they're creepy and they're funny and they're strange. But I think it's really interesting in the way that she's then critically reflecting on this sort of technology and in all of these sort of bits and the way they come together in our contemporary culture. So, so people can see images of these on our, on our web, web page and it's quite grotesque but also very, very funny. Um, one of my favourite artists in the show I really wanted to shout out for was Australian Matthew... Is it Matthew Griffith? Oh, Matthew Griffin, yes. Um, and his work, Common Sense, uh, as an S-C-E-N-T-S, um, where he kind of tries to describe or find a way to go back to the smell of being 15 again yeah. 20 years <laughs> later. And he does it sort of embodied in the kind of news graphics framework. And so he gets involved with Blue Stratos as the fragrance of the time and things like Kurt smells like Blue Stratos, you know, smells like teen spirit was. I mean, strange. It's wonderful. Following his trains of thought is always just a delight. You never quite know where he's going to go with it. But I had to actually look up what Blue Stratus was. This wasn't the smell oh, really? of wasn't my yours? childhood. No, no, we were I just was... we were all Axe body spray man. Oh no, big one for me as a guy. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm hoping that that people with those references will be able to see that work and kind of have that immediate sense of nostalgia. And that's one of the things that he's really interested in with his works. His works are very, very funny, but is he uses humor as this device to think about kind of what it means to be an artist in this digital age, in this era where we're completely saturated with this content around us all the time. And I think the, the other work on the show, which I really love, um, which I'm blanking on the name of right now, but he is reflecting on going to art school and how that offers you about as much financial security as drawing or guessing lottery numbers at home yeah, on the yeah. TV. Yeah, so that's Matthew Griffith's work. Yes, uh, yeah, valid. Yeah, yeah. Well, wonderful. Um, thanks for coming in, Chelsea. I, uh, obviously, there's a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of comment on this. But, I mean, for you, is there a real message with the show? I mean, what do you hope to leave people well, I think it's about really thinking sort of more deeply about those things that we're scrolling past our phone all the time. And actually, all of these artists in different ways have drilled down really deeply for good and for bad, the the way that these have negatively affected the world, but also in the, the sort of positive outcomes of these. But I think the important thing is is actually stopping to think twice about what all of, you know... A random meme, but what that actually might be both telling you and what it might be, how it might be shaping your perspective on the world. 